Is that what I'm saying? Rough Trade Radio. 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 What's that? Welcome to this very special episode of Shoplifting. I am Liv Siddle and I'm joined here today by the beloved, the wonderful, the cherished Phil Adams. How are you, Phil? Oh, shucks. Thank you. That's very kind of you. Uh, I'm, I'm very well. I'm, uh, I'm uh, yeah, I'm just happy. And uh, as you know, today's my, my last day after 10 years at Rough Trade. Uh, I think it's maybe 10 years to the very week. So Wow. Nice symmetry. You're having quite a nice day today, aren't you? Oh, it's lovely. It's really nice. It's quite surreal, but yeah, I, I've got to be honest that I, you know it's not it's not been my most productive day <laughs> I've had in, in ten years of working here. I don't think they're going to get reprimanded for uh, slacking off today. I think it's probably fine. Yeah, I, I, hopefully they'll they'll be understanding about it. And uh, it's been lovely. I've got I got taken out for lunch by Matt. Wagamamas had that, as you know, we had the, the bacon sandwiches. We had a bacon sandwich, yeah. Fantastic. Nice bit of brunch. Having a Bloody Mary now? I've got to say, it's a great Bloody Mary. Nice work. Um, I wanted to, I mean, we're going to go through basically records that have shaped your time here at Rough Trade in the last 10 years. But actually, I want to know, because I don't even know these things, I want to know how you came to work at Rough Trade 10 years ago and what happened. How did that come about? Uh, at the time, I was, oh God, just trying to think back now. <laughs> I uh, I was actually I was actually really stuck for a job, and I uh, I'd been kind of signing on for a while. I did kind of music production course, and I was smoking things that I shouldn't have been smoking too much of. Not really bad things, but just <laughs> things that kind of maybe procrastinate a little bit. But which was great. Uh, and then I kind of ran out of money signing on was getting to be a real burden and so I had to get a job and and as you may know like my uh, training my profession is is uh, chef work so I had to go back to the one thing that I knew I probably could always get a job doing so I, I finished up cooking for sick people oh Hmm. Where? Uh, London Bridge Hospital. Cool. <laughs> well, How it was, was that? It was. Oh, it, it turned out being quite a nice job. It was just a bit of a shock to the system because you know I'd not chef for a while and and I wasn't totally motivated into doing it. And and I've got to say, kind of trying to get myself out of bed every morning to go and cook for sick people. It wasn't totally motivating, but yeah. it was uh, the food. The food was nice, and it was like you know, it was. If you say it, so yourself. It, it was. It was <laughs> But it was a private hospital, and it, it you know, it, it, yeah. it's like you you had to you, you had to kind of spend quite a bit of money to stay there. So the food was a, 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 a good standard, and I finished up quite enjoying it. You know, for a little while, I wanted to throw myself in the Thames every morning I went to work, <laughs> and then I was only there about three months, and it was just like two days on, two days off, and mm. it was twelve hours a day. But I soon got into the swing of things, and there were nice folk there, and and the, the job was okay, and. Uh, and then a, a friend told me that uh, they were looking for stuff for a new kind of rough trade shop opening. So I went for the... In, I, what did I do? I uh, They were doing interviews on the Saturday and I couldn't make it because I was working. It was one of my days on. And so I just got in touch and uh, said, oh, I can't make it Saturday. Uh, is there any other day that I can kind of just meet up? So I met up with Spencer 
and Neil was here as well on the Friday before all the interviews. And we met here at the East Building and it was just an empty shell. There was, wow. n- there was nothing in it whatsoever. There's no mezzanine, there was nothing. And so me, me and Spencer had just to walk around the space and we, we pretty much gone straight away and clicked. And, and yeah, I suppose kind of the rest is history. I went for... Uh, a second interview with Nigel at West, mm-hmm. Nigel and Spencer. I think at the time Nigel was like, oh, not another old bloke sort of thing. <laughs> but uh, I got on with Nigel straight away as well. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, and, and, and so I got the job. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it was lovely. And, yeah, as I say, almost 10 years to the week, I kind of worked maybe two weeks at Covent Garden. Yeah. And then we ripped it all out at the end of the last day. And so the morning we ripped Covent Garden out and then... We went over to the West shop to do some admining, and then in the evening we collected all the Covent Garden stuff here. So I did oh. all three shops in one day. It must have been a total nightmare ripping out that shop and putting it all in here. How, what was that process like? Oh, it was. I just started. Obviously, I kind of sh- I've shot there a long time, and and I had so much time and respect for it as as kind of just a real proper underground kind of bit, bit fusty, and you know, it's just yeah. like it was. It was. It was kind of real it was a real kind of independent no windows and it had just a real kind of you know alternative feel to it and and, and by the time we started ripping it all out it was, it was just kind of it was, it was quite sad you know it's quite sad I was going to ask you actually what your relationship was to Rough Trade before you started working here did you used to shop there then and in other shops in London too? Yeah, I, I did. Not loads because, I, I mean, I didn't have loads of kind of surplus cash, you know. So yeah. I used to go in and browse and that. Uh, uh, but, you know, I I kind of didn't buy loads at the time. But, uh, you know, obviously kind of grew up loving the label and, and, and what have you. And, and, yeah. And kind of the, the other shops I'd worked in was like when we used to get the counter calls and going, oh, it's fucking cool that in there. What am I working there? So did you play a big part as well in making Rough Trade East look how it does now? What was that like when you went into the shell and then gradually started transforming it into the shop we know today? Uh, I suppose we all did, really. It was. Uh, it took a while for it to just really start feeling like, you know, the, the, the finished kind of product. When, I remember when we opened, you know, the racks were half empty and... Uh, it was really clean. Well, what we, I kind of when I was going through some photos a little while ago, clean, uh, just super clean. It was just, it was. Just, <laughs> what is clean? It was. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. But uh, it just, it just seemed half done, you know. And he, I saw, I saw a, a few photos from kind of literally when we were opening like a few months ago, and it, it just looks like a different place. It, wow. it just wasn't ready, and it didn't feel ready, and. Uh, it just needed some real bedding in, which I think took a, a year or two, you know. Did you have a sound system set up in here from the b- very beginning? What, for, uh, for the bands and that? Just like speakers in the in the walls or did you have the... Uh, yeah, we did, yeah. I mean, kind of when we started uh, sorting all the stock out and, you know, getting everything admined and this and everything, everything was kind of... There were so many comes and goings and everything was in the process of getting sorted out and they were putting the sound system in. And I remember... There was loads of us there at the time and they just sorted the sound system out and there was a massive debate with everyone. I remember Will was upstairs and Pete was there and Spence was there and Noreen was there. And they were like, okay, this is it. We've turned the sound system on for the shop. And it's like, <gasps> what is the first thing we're going to play in the shop? You Do you know? remember what it was? I don't. Oh, I, shit. I thought we could segue I, into a really I, good, like, no, and this was the first song that was played. It, I think it was... I think it was maybe it was something pretty timeless, and there was a bit of to and throw in, uh, and it, it might have been some kind of 
some ca- a classic uh, Americana kind of crossover thing. I think because uh, I, I, I remember I, I remember kind of Will and Pete going, yeah, yeah, play that. But I, yeah. I, I think one of the second or third tracks would play uh, that that kind of Vampire Weekend seven inch first came out. It was oh, just yeah. like it was like hot stuff, and it was the yellow vinyl and wow. it had that real kind of African twang. But I remember that getting played really early on. But uh, yeah, oh, it was, lovely. Yeah, it was kind of nice thinking back of. The chaos. <laughs> the, I can't even imagine what, what you would have seen in your 10 years. I've only been here for just, just under two years and I've seen enough to last me a lifetime. I can't imagine the, the stories you've got in your head and I'm sure we can't, haven't got time to talk about them all today, but you've been to festivals, you've gone, oh, yeah. <laughs> you've done rough oh, yeah. trade on tour, <laughs> yeah. you've been working in the shop day to day, you've seen in stores, you've met bands, you've been going out on the piss with the bands. I mean, you must just have so many stories. Yeah, there's a lot of them. There, there's, there's so, there's, there's, yeah, it's, it's pretty endless to be honest and even even just kind of quickly going through the racks trying to pull a few records out for this it's like kind of certain memories come flooding back you know they, you, you, they're all kind of just they're there somewhere a lot of them I mean some of them I'll, I'll never remember again because as you say I was you know, <laughs> <laughs> really a bit too hammered but uh, yeah I mean so many amazing kind of dysfunctional memories of all sorts of things going on but Do amazing you, is there one in store in particular that you can remember being partic- <clears throat> like like really memorable for one reason or another. Uh, I I think probably my oh, I could have picked that out actually. Think about it. You can play something <clears throat> if you think of something. My, my, probably my my, my favourite one was uh, Robert Forster when uh, he he had a book out and he he came and it, it was a, a for the uh, the book launch and. He he just did maybe like five songs. God, just, I can't believe I missed that. He's uh, like my favourite. Yeah. God, what was he like? It was lovely, and it was just like, it, it, it just it was just him and the guitar, and he, yeah, it's a few new tracks that he had, and it it was just like really beautiful, and it's the only thing, the only time in ten years that I've ever brought anything in from home to get signed, and it was a go betweens book. Cool. Yeah. Do you want to play a Robert Forster song? Yeah. What, what should we go with? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, where'd you start? Where'd you start? No, I'll probably go... Mm, I'll probably head back more to the go-betweens. Okay. You know, obviously, uh, McLennan died, didn't he, as well? Yeah. Recently-ish, so it's a kind of big nod to their kind of writing partnership in that. So maybe... Yeah. Uh, maybe something from... Uh, Liberty Bell, maybe apology accepted.
Apology accepted by the go-betweens. Fantastic choice, Phil. Thank you. Um, so uh, what else do we want to know about you? I suppose you can't really go into much detail about all the stories because I'm sure some of them aren't really fit for radio. But um, I wanted to ask you really what um, what do you think makes Rough Trade... People talk about Rough Trade as being this kind of... this, And I know as well about being a family and about being this kind of unique space in, in a lot of ways. What... What's made Rough Trade so special to you that you did stick around for 10 years? Uh, good question, actually. I think definitely uh, family, for sure, and, and being part of something really special, you know, and, and being part of something that meant and does mean something to so many people. You know, you know it's kind of the pinnacle of what it is to a certain extent, you know, as a, as a, like an independent store and, uh, yeah, just, just knowing, knowing, knowing the history of it all and, uh, and, and that, and, and, and just the people you meet along the way. It's, it's, you know, all, all kind of customers and, you know, and, and more than anything, it's, it's kind of the, the staff, it's fellow colleagues, yeah. you know, and it, it, it's that, it's that kind of togetherness through thick and thin where that's kind of, it, it's, uh, it, it, that's really special. And like, you know, kind of staff members that left qu quite a while ago, I, you know, they still, I still see them as family, you know, and they always will do. And I think that's kind of the one overriding kind of thought of it all you know there's so many amazing things about it yeah but uh yeah it's that it's that kind of real togetherness and you know doing something really well and yeah and 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 kind of not not really kind of selling anything short you know it's kind of just kind of having real integrity about kind of what you're doing and 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 really believing in it you know with all 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 the kind of the events and and just yeah general kind of everyday record shop recommendations and you know it's like yeah it's just kind of lovely little memories of like parents coming in with with their little kids and it's like being at the count and the kids stood there with like a ramones record or some of the parent going this is the first record that they're buying with their own money, oh. you know, and it's just like, and like just little moments like that and going, oh, it's a good record, you know, you know, you remember this moment for the rest of your life and little kids going, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just oh, like God. so many kind of lovely little moments like that that kind of just really stay with you and then you, you know they're special moments. I mean, there must be so many customers who are going to keep walking in for the next few weeks or months or years being like, is Phil around? And we're going to be like, no, he's not. He's dead to us. <laughs> but, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about, have you got any sort of regular customers that you do sort of look forward to seeing and come to you specifically for advice or...? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, 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 there are a lot of them, you know. They're kind of, they're, they're kind of you know, spread far and wide, Uh I mean, a lot, a lot of kind of the, the, some like the celebrity ones, which which are, are lovely. You know, it's kind of 
you know, kind of making friendships with people like Weatherall and, and Bobby Gillespie, and, yeah. you know, and, and Trevor Jackson and, and people like that that, you know, come pretty regular. But I suppose people like that who that they can come in here and, and just record shop and mm. just get on with it and you guys are going to be respectful and, and also recommend them stuff that they haven't heard before, which is pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, damn right, damn right. And I think that's why they, they do come in here as well. It's like when yeah. when Canna Bjork comes to town, she kind of, this is the first place she comes every time because yeah. we just, you know, we treat her as, as a normal person and, and, and I think she really, uh, she really respects that, you know, and... And it's just, it, it's just always lovely, like chatting with her, and she's always after recommendations, and and like she's, you know, she'll, she she she'll study what what you're suggesting and why, uh, and you know she'll she'll normally just say, yep, sounds great, you know, put it in the bag, sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, and but you know that aside as well, just kind of people I've I've just kind of just kind of. Got to know, like there's a there's a, a chap that comes over once a year from from Canada, a guy called George King, who's who's a high court judge now. <laughs> uh, he, he wasn't when he first started coming over, but he's so into his music, and he's the most beautiful and genuine guy you'll ever meet in your life. He's, he's so enthusiastic about music. That's so nice that someone can walk into the shop and you're like George, and yeah. he's like Phil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what the shop. That's what any shop should be. Yeah, surely. yeah, yeah. Exactly that. And you know, he was over again. Kind of just about three or four weeks ago, you know. So I mean, it's kind of, it's always a pleasure to see him, and we we chat about music, and he puts me onto things, and I put him onto things, and you know, he's got great memories. Like I remember that thing you put me onto last year; that was brilliant. I was like, yeah, and that thing you put me onto, that's brilliant as well. Oh, cool. So it's kind of yeah, just kind of lovely, lovely kind of just timeless kind of you know friendships that you know we'll I know we'll stay in touch forever now, you know. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well I'm gonna start asking you to pick through the albums you've got today. I asked you to kind of pick through albums from the shop floor that kind of signify certain moments of your rough trade career, um, which you've done quite quickly, actually. You only did it in about 10 minutes. Thank and you. you seem to know what you were looking for. Well, there was a rush on because we didn't want the Bloody Marys to ruin, really, did we? I so. know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what have you got to start with? Well, to start with, I've got... Who's behind me? Who's, Stan. Uh, Sorry, Stan's uh, looking through the window. <laughs> to start with, uh, I... Uh, they're in no particular order, but uh, I've I, I picked the the, uh, which... I love them to bits and soul mining is one of my favorite albums. Uh, and just when I was doing pulling records out there, Lee, my colleague was like, Oh, I've, I've got something for you. Uh, you know, I just, you reminded me now, I'll give you an hour. I remember. And he gave me the anniversary, the, the soul mining box set as a present. That is so great. Which is amazing. You know, it's, it, I've not even, I've not even kind of looked in it before, but I'm just having a quick look through now and, uh, there's all sorts of goodies in there, wow. and obviously all, all kind of the artwork from uh, Matt's brother that unfortunately. Uh oh. Hey, I'm oh, sorry about sorry, that. Sorry, sorry, listeners, we have some drilling. Oh yes, they're never going to find oil there. I told them. There's no, <laughs> they they just they're not going to do it. Okay, any listeners out there, we are going to have some intermittent drilling. Um, there's some kind of escape tunnel being built. Somewhere underneath the Truman Brewery, we're not quite sure what's what's going on, but I think we're just going to ride it out and just bear with us. It will just come and go, but just try. You know, this is all just to cover up because actually it just feels fast. But. <laughs> That's one thing I'm famous for. Oops, sorry, <laughs> oh, never got <laughs> green, green mist. Actually, uh, I don't want to go into 
funny stories about me green misting bands kind of loading in. It's happened a few times. Don't worry about it. Mm. Let, let the listeners just imagine. Yeah. Um, well, how about we get, okay. get past the drilling and well, play a track from the Yeah, there. okay. So back to the there. Uh, so, yeah, it was kind of <clears throat> a lovely, lovely surprise from Lee. And uh, Soul Mine is an amazing album. And, uh, yeah, so his brother kind of did all the artwork and he, he died recently. Uh, so it, it's quite apt. And, in fact, the new single that... Uh, they released for Record Store Day. It's the first thing that the the have done uh, as the the in over 20 years. And it's actually about his brother. So I recently saw a documentary which was coming out soon. It's like, it's a real kind of heart-wrenching, lovely, beautiful documentary. And it gives you a lot of background about that. But on this, the anniversary... We had Matt Johnson in the in the shop for an event, and uh, DJ Food, who is a massive fan, he was just interviewing him, just about soul mining, about this and that. Cool. It was amazing, and for me, like soul mining, it always had lots of mystique about it. I don't yeah. know. Why. I think it's probably because Matt Johnson's quite a is quite a, a, a private person, and you know, when he wrote this, it was like maybe seventeen. And really? You, yeah. And you listen, he was seventeen. And you listen to the lyrics. And they're they're amazing and they're deep and the the guy's a bloody genius, you know. That's an excellent pick. And That's he, amazing. And on top of that, he's a he's a he's one of them multi instrumentalists, you know. He's one of them show offs. Oh, one of them, yeah. <laughs> one of them. But it's it's a I think it's a perfect album, and uh, you know I I could choose uh, any any track at all from it. Uh, but I'm gonna have to just choose one, aren't I? Yeah, so just one, please. I'm gonna go for. I think this is the day. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. It's such a beautiful track. It's perfect. And it's quite, um, I suppose it's quite a nostalgic song. And if you are leaving somewhere, like Rough Trade after 10 years, this is the kind of song that you'll listen to one day and kind of think back on that's, on memories, Yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's a good point. And it, it's probably maybe one of kind of Matt Johnson's slightly more optimistic tracks, you yeah. know. Uh, but it's beautiful. And it's, I, I love the, you know, the accordion in there it just gives it a lovely warm sound but uh, yeah the, the whole album's like perfect though so yeah. could you introduce the track please this is uh, a noisy drill and <laughs> it's from uh, the new album no this is uh, Thither and the track is This Is The Day You watch a plane flying A 
That was This Is The Day by The The. It certainly was. It what have you got up next? It certainly was. Well, I I was looking for... I was looking for some breeders, but we didn't have any on vinyl. So I've gone... Uh, I've, I've kind of gone, gone to the Pixies, which is probably the obvious place to go. If, if you do want to pick the breeders, you can. Uh well, I picked this now, so yeah, I, I, I suppose you know. In a way, it's it's quite nice that that I I, I kind of I've picked the pixies because I don't know. I, the reason I I picked the breeders is because we we had the breeders in store and it was it was it was amazing. It was wow. When was that? Oh, 
uh, I don't know, maybe about seven years ago. Really? Yeah. That must have been so good. Yeah, it, it was amazing. It, it really was. They had a new album coming out. I forget which album it was now, but it was just lovely to meet like Deal Sisters and they were so cool and they were so down to earth and so lovely. And we, we for a little while we were doing, do you know the kind of the, the, the canvas prints, the hand prints? Oh, yeah. We thought we'd, we'd do it with loads of kind of... Oh, yeah, like, there's one upstairs. It's Kim Deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we kind of, we, we, we thought it would have kind of longevity and legs and we'd do it with loads of different people. So, I mean, we only finished doing it with Nick Cave, Billy Bragg and Kim Deal. Quite but, a good trio, though. No, it's amazing, yeah. <laughs> so the, the night we had the breezes in, kind of, we got Kim to get her hands dirty and, and, and do the uh, and, and do the palm print and that. So that was just a nice little bonus. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, we just kind of really got on well and we, we kept in touch after that and I went to kind of uh, a few breeders' gigs and went to see the Pixies and that as well. Uh, but it's kind of like... The pixels aren't the pixels without Kim Deal in my book, you know. Mm. And it's like I get that who who's replaced Kim is a great musician and sounds like Kim, but it ain't Kim, you I know. know what you mean, yeah. And it's it's just not the same. And it never is, is it? When that happens, well, it's it, not. It isn't. Know. And and which Pixies album have you got there? Well, I've got Doolittle. Okay. I've got Doolittle, but I'm gonna go gigantic.
so that was um, The Pixies with Gigantic. Thank you, Phil. Excellent track so far. Hope you haven't got any shit ones in there. I've got a few shit ones. <laughs> what have you got next? Uh, another shit one. <laughs> no, I can't. Phil Shit Hits. Yeah, Shit Hits, volume 10. <laughs> you could come and do a radio show after you quit <laughs> called Phil's Shit Hits. That'd be good. <laughs> We're not going to pay you, but no, that'd be good. That's, I'm sure all, all the bands will be kind of looking forward to being involved in my shit hits. Oh, yeah, of course. Countdown. <laughs> So this is a nice one up next. Is there a story behind this one? Uh, I think all of them are pretty much kind of obviously connected with a, with a shop, uh, generally through kind of in stores, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, the, yeah, the next one, we've had uh, kind of uh, Damon and Naomi in quite a few times. Sorry, playing. just to say what, what this is as well. Uh, well, this is Galaxy 500. Great. Uh, I, you know, I could have picked a Dan- Damon and Naomi track, but uh, Galaxy 500 for me, but I, I, I love them to bits, and, and uh, they'll always be a band really, really close to my heart. And uh, so I went for... I went for some On Fire, the album. Uh, and, and in fact, kind of, I was reminiscing with John the other day, and I think it was my first Saturday at Covent Garden. Wow. I was working with John, and, and I put uh, Galaxy 500 on. It was a Saturday. And then the phone rang, and John turned it down half volume, and then turned it back up again. He's like, yeah, uh, Phil, uh, I don't, I don't want to be a kind of a, a music Nazi, but we've got to play new music at the weekend because Nigel will go crazy. Oh. <laughs> I was like, all right, John, thanks. Sorry, John. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and he kind of, he just kind of reminded me of that the other day. But I hadn't forgot. It's like, yeah, I, I kind of, it stuck close, close, close to my heart. It's like, okay. No <laughs> old shit on the weekend. No old shit. New shit, new shit. Just new shit, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so kind of, Damon and Naomi, they, they've been in a few times. Yeah. And the, the most beautiful loving couple that you'll ever owe to oh. me they're just like I don't know they're just the just the, the perfect musical couple you know they just ah, yeah. oh, they're just lovely lovely kind of down to earth honest genuine people and and you know there's I, I remember that they were kind of the first time they came I think it was during the elections uh, quite it's a few years ago it's when Obama was running and they were like yeah you know we really want him to get in and I think they they did they did a bit of work you know kind of uh, this and that and campaigning for yeah. kinda, for him to get in and then uh, the next time they played it was like once he'd got in and they were just like yeah, we were just like, we were just in tears when he got in, you know. It was just kind of so heartfelt and just like... Yeah, care, what a day. Care, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and you know, and, and they, they kind of, they were sitting up all night and, and kind of, and yeah, helping the campaign and this, that and the other. And, uh, yeah, just to be so, you know, obviously be passionate about, you know, uh, your politics, your country's politics. And, yeah, for sure. Uh, and 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 passionate for the right side, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all can see what happens when it doesn't quite work out like that. <laughs> yes, we know far too much about that. Yes. So, so, <laughs> so moving on. Uh, so, yeah, I thought I'd... Uh, for me, Galaxy 500, they, they have such a lovely, gentle, fragile sort of sound. And I think... Uh, it's, it kind of I think it's quite a wintry sound yeah and so I, I've i gone for a snowstorm because uh, I think that kind of it sums everything up beautifully 
was Snowstorm by Galaxy 500. Excellent pick. I wanted to ask you, is there any, are there any bands over the years everyone else has loved but you just thought was awful? <laughs> Must have been some. Uh, I don't know about thinking bands were awful. Just, just not your, what music are you not into? Well, uh, I don't, there's not any music that I'm, I'm not really not into either. But I never, I can appreciate them for what they are, but I was, I was never a Nirvana fan. Oh, really? That kind of probably went against the grain with just about every other person mm. I ever met. Why didn't life. you like them? Don't know, don't know. You can, sometimes you just can't put your finger on, on what it is, you know? Yeah, if it doesn't speak to you at the right level, then. Yeah, and, and I get that, you know, Cobain was a great songwriter and, and all the energy and all the angst and 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 all that, but something just didn't click with me. And I can't say what it is. And to this day, I still can't say what it is. But I can appreciate what they are about and what they were about and yeah. and and kind of how popular they were and still are and always will be, you know. They they kind of uh, meant a, a lot to, and still do a, a lot to kind of so many people yeah. and, 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 and kind of, you know. Uh, and obviously him being a troubled man as well, which kind of highlighted certain kind of illnesses and one thing and another. So, you know, it's kind of, there's a lot to be said for it. Still don't like him. <laughs> Sounds like you were saying he's a troubled man as well, as if you're really troubled. I'm so troubled. <laughs> you're about to be very untroubled when you when you leave. Yeah, I know. No, I, just try, I don't know what to do when I finish this Bloody Mary. Do we have another one or do we go Probably, and do yeah. we go out to beer? That's, <laughs> that's what I'm troubled about at the moment. God, the like, angst. Oh, God, I know. There's these big <laughs> world problems that we're dealing with right now. Um, what have you got on your pile there? Okay, well, I've got two left, so... Great. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just go in, in the, the, uh, the order that they're there at. So uh, I've picked a Smiths, Smiths song. I don't know which song it is yet. I was hoping you would pick a Smiths record. Really now? Oh, uh, yeah, I did. <laughs> you interviewed Johnny Marr for the magazine. I did. Um, for the Rough Trade magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know when that was. Must have been... Oh, it was in December for the Christmas issue. Yeah. And I remember so clearly because we couldn't work out a way of phoning Johnny Marr and recording it at the same time. <laughs> That's right. And so me and John worked out this way. We kind of bought this app that you can record <laughs> phone calls on illegally. And you were talking to Johnny Marr with no reception in a, in a noisy record store in, and out the back by the fire escape with your fingers in your ears trying to hear him. And we weren't even sure if it was recording. And so we were all just there with bated breath like, oh, God, what is happening? Yeah, it's um, quite funny. Yeah, and we picked you to do that article because we knew you were a Smiths fan, so yeah. it was a really nice thing. And I think you and Johnny Marr had a good conversation because you're both from the same area, is that right? Well, we're both like kind of from opposite sides of the Pennines. I'm kind of, yeah. I'm, I'm Sheffield, he's obviously Manchester, so. Yeah, but you had quite similar um, childhoods, I suppose. Yeah, kind of, he's a little bit older than me, but mm. uh, even kind of, when I kind of decided that I was going to do that, I got kind of hit, hit, a, a, a copy of his book and maybe it was only about three days before I did the interview so yeah. I started having a quick read of that and uh, and I just started from a place where I think it was his teenage growing up growing up kind of like you know up north in, in as a teenager and, and what have you and it just started striking chords with me you know and it's like there was so many kind of parallels to kind of to like my life growing up as you know the stuff like 
but it's unheard of now, and it seems like like from a, a you know a, a, a past a past generation. But it was just like like having an outdoor toilet, you know, and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that. So he had one, and I was like, no way, yeah, that's kind of. <laughs> I had that as well. And tin baths. You mind doing a tin bath in the kitchen <laughs> in front of the fire? It's like, yeah. I said, I, yeah, I had that as well. And it's like, no way. It's like, yeah, my, I used to have a bath. And my sister used to bring her mates around and just laugh at me in the tin bath. Oh, no. Yeah. So, um, and so kind of, yeah, it just started kind of, you know, just kind of unearthing kind of lots of lovely, lovely memories of like, I, our house where I live, I think we were the last house on the road they were knocking the whole area down and rebuilding it and so we i kind of we our row of houses was just in the middle of a massive massive building site and i think johnny moore's house was the first house in a massive massive building site oh, so, really? so we both like as kids had a building site as a playground which wow. was it was amazing it's so amazing. It must have been so fun as a kid, just oh, having great. all that stuff to clamber it, it's on. It's brilliant, and just getting getting chased by like night night watchmen every night and stuff like that. You I know? guess the advantage you had is if they're knocking it down, so you can go and smash things up because yeah, they're going to be demolished. Exactly. That's fun when you're a kid, isn't it? Yeah. So that that was kind of that was a really good fun. And it, like one thing I, I didn't realise that uh, we had a shop in Sheffield when I was growing up called X Cloves. They had one in Leeds, one in Sheffield, and then they opened one in Manchester. And uh, he he worked there when he was like in his teenage years, so I didn't even know they had one in Manchester, and I and I still got a jacket from there, like what I've had about twenty five years now. Yeah, I tried to Google that online, and that there's not there's not much about X clothes. No, and it's it's kind of the people are on forums saying, does anyone remember X clothes? But it seemed to be quite a a sort of short lived cult. Yeah, it thing. was. It maybe I don't know how long it was around, but it was. It was very of its time, and and kind of I told Johnny, I was like, I still got a jacket from there, and, and one that makes is 20th century clothing, and he was like, no way, that's Whoa. bloody amazing. I was like, yeah, I know, I'm, it's still at home, it's falling apart, but what kind of jacket is it? It's kind of like a, a cotton kind of bomber jacket sort, like of like a style. Harrington kind of, uh, kind of, like kind of, yeah, like like that sort of style, but kind of like a bit of an elasticated bottom and a bit of a puffy sleeves and that I didn't wear it the only reason I still got it now is because I was my, my sister bought it me and I was never sure about it for years and years and years because <laughs> it was quite puffy and the sleeves were quite puffy and there was like, too much material going on and then about 20 years later I was like oh I quite like that now actually <laughs> so I started wearing it and that's why it's still kind of together and I haven't lost it somewhere cool. uh, so so and, and, and kind of before uh, doing the the phone interview with him, uh, me, Noreen, and Ben, and uh, Johnny's manager and Johnny, we he, he had the new album coming out, and we mm. we just got invited to go. What down. year, roughly? Ah, uh, that must have been. I think it was his first. It was his debut solo album, oh, okay. just as Johnny Moore. So maybe about six years ago, mm. and uh, so we got invited down just to go and. Like just us five sit in the studio and listen to a playback of about six tracks or something like that. At Abbey Road, <laughs> where cool. it was recorded. So it's like that was quite a surreal experience. <laughs> it's like just sat there and thinking, "It's good, this, isn't it?" It's like, <laughs> but it was lovely, you know. And it's just like again, it's just it's just a, a really nice down to a bloke, you know. Yeah. It's like a bit like you, bit like me, <laughs> but a bit like all the people that you know that I meet and I talk about. It's just yeah. like. There's no airs and graces. They are what they are, and they, they're just real people, you know. Not trying to be anything they're not, and just easy to talk to and interesting. And he, yeah. he he's one of them. It's like, you know, just kind of. I mean, I I saw the Smiths twice when I was a kid, on the 
Smith Smith tour and Meet His Murder tour. Wow, it's what like, was that like? Oh, it's amazing. Where did you see them? Uh, Sheffield City Hall. And in fact, one of the gigs, can't remember, was it the first one or the second one, Stan's dad was supporting. No way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just for any listeners out there who don't know, Stan, who works in the shop, who often does podcasts, uh, his dad is Simon Raymond, who is the owner of Bella Union, and also he used to be in Cocteau Twins. Um, so that kind of makes more sense now. And now you know that Stan's kind of like... <laughs> Related to someone yeah, yeah. I, actually really famous. I, I quite like working with Stan. Someone buys a cocktail twins. I'm like, I know. it's his dad. You know, his dad's it's a cocktail. <laughs> and Stan just goes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, so, so, yeah. I mean, and and that was a, a lovely kind of surreal personal experience of just like spending some time in a tight studio, listening to you know, kind of listening to kind of Johnny Marr's new track. So yeah, being in a nice. situation that you probably never thought you'd be in, listening yeah. to a new album with Johnny Marr yeah, in a to- studio. Totally, totally. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, you've got this album here. Yeah, what are you so, going to pick? I'm gonna, well, I've, got, I've gone for the Smiths, the Smiths, which I think is probably my favourite, you know. I'm going to go for... Oh, God. It, Sorry. It's just... It's, it's just too difficult. They're, they're all... It's, it's, a, it's a, such a lovely album. Miserable Lie, or You Got Everything Now, or uh, I Don't Owe You Anything. Have I got to pick one, have I? You do, yeah. Okay, I'm going to pick... There's a lady walking past holding a Smiths album. Actually, what one is it? I'm going to go for You Got Everything Now.
that was the Smiths, and you've got everything now. Great. What have you got next? Your last record. Okay, yeah, so I've gone for Primal Scream. <clears throat> I uh, I was an indie pop boy back in the, the 80s, and I was into the old C86 thing and that. Uh, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, kind of listening to John Peel in my early teens, he, like, so many thousands of other kind of kids that age, he just totally changed my life and put me on the right track about music and one thing and another. And, uh, and yeah, I think uh, the indie pop scene I, I really kind of embraced as a spotty, shy teenager. It kind of just kind of hit the spot and I could relate to it. Can I ask now, what can you describe yourself as perhaps a, a 15-year-old? What were you wearing and listening to? And uh, I suppose... Yeah, you know, probably not too dissimilar to who I am now. I don't know if that's good or bad. I probably would have had monkey boots on. I'd have had jeans on, maybe rolled up. I would have had a t-shirt. I uh, would have had an anorak. Would have had a big fringe. Uh, you know, just kind of. Yeah. I suppose round about that sort of era, and, and maybe a precursor to that, there was a lot of black. Hell of a lot of black and. Far too much airspray. Yeah, Never, bit like now then. Bit, bit like now. But I, th- I, th- I think the the kind of the kind of gothy sort of stage was was pre pre indie poppy. But it kind of all crossed over a little bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, never never wore any makeup. Really? Yeah, never did any of that. Oh, okay. Don't know why. It wasn't a conscious thing. Were you hanging out with people who did, and who who, yeah. who, were, you, who were you going to gigs with at that time? Were your friends into all the stuff you were into? Uh, yeah, it was. It was just. I think it was just a really lovely time of, of just making new friends. You know, there's a couple of friends that I had from school uh, that I uh, I kind of semi stayed in touch with. In fact, kind of. Uh, a guy who I've just reconnected to recently called Paul Whitaker. If you ever listen to this, Paul, hi. 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 I'm waving at you. Shout you out. can't see me. Paul Whitaker. But we went, uh, He we lived on the same row of houses when, when we were both kids, you know, in the middle of the building site. Yeah. So we, we kind of lived there. He lived about seven doors down from me. And then we moved to Gleadless Valley, the same area, uh, when we moved from there. So we kind of went to the same school. And so he's probably my 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 kind of oldest friend that you know I've st- I, I haven't really stayed in touch with any or many other friends from school, but uh, yeah, we we always kind of shared a similar taste in music and went. I went to the two Smiths gigs with him. Yeah, went to our first ever gig was OMD. Wow, yeah, that was cool. that was a all as well. That's <laughs> good. That was a good first gig. Yeah, so that that was cool and. Uh, uh, got on what I was saying. Oh, it's just about kind of friends and, and yeah. yeah. And, but yeah. then then I started kind of going out. Like, like I, uh, my sister was like two years older than me. Funnily enough, another thing, another parallel with Johnny Moore. His sister was two years older than yes. him as well. So uh, I, my sister started introduce my sister introduced me to loads of good music as well. Yeah. And uh, I started going clubbing with her. And her friends. So I was, I was kind of going out with like a group group of girls that were just a little bit older than me, and, um. and like I was just like wide eyed and like, man, this is great. <laughs> and there's a real kind of a beautiful alternative kind of shit old basement of a club called the Limit on 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 uh, West Street, uh, which kind of closed in '91. But that's kind of where 
I started going, you know, as 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 kind of a, as a teenager, and it was amazing. It was so amazing, and uh, such happy memories. And then, kind of, what was amazing was was it the music selection they were playing, and just or was it your? Was it amazing because it was your first sort of entry into the world of music and like dancing and, and uh, socializing? It, it was more the music and just the scene in general. I mean, yeah. obviously, kind of with other friends from college and that we were, you know, we, we were going to like kind of cheesy middle of the road clubs if we could get in you know if the, yeah. if the fake ID was good enough to get us in <laughs> I'm sure I looked about 12 so I don't know if I got in anywhere <laughs> but uh, so I got lots of knockbacks but even when I got in it's just like my god you know it's just like this is terrible but funnily enough it was like a lot of 80s electro soul in that which I hated then but I quite like now yeah. so you, you expand your taste as you kind of mature I yeah. suppose Uh but no, as far as the limit went, it was it was a whole package, and it was it was the music more than anything. Yeah, uh, it was just a real kind of alternative place. That's so good. Yeah. So good that you had that. That's great. And that your sister took you out with her mates and sort of got you involved because most sisters are like, "Can you fuck off, please?" Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> totally. No, we've always been close. I'm my brother. I've got an older brother as well. We've always been really, really close. He was a massive Northern Soler. So. Oh, great. There's always been music, you know. It's kind of, it's, it's yeah. kind of, it's all kind of washed over me, and 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 I've absorbed it all, and it's good. That's great. Okay, yeah. so you're gonna. We've kind of already talked about what you've picked, but yeah. how did how did Primal Scream come into your life then? Is uh, it, was it through John Peel? Yeah, through John Peel. I think uh, just heard their first single, Velocity Girl, one night on the show, and I used to just sit there with my tape recorder. You know, every yeah. kind of Monday to Wednesday, like ten till twelve, I was there with my tape recorder at the ready, and just like just trying to tape kind of the tracks that I liked. Yeah. Or thought, and if I started saving a track I didn't like, I could rewind it and like wipe it off. And I'd always get bits of John Peel at the beginning or the end. And then next morning I'd go to college or work and I'd be listening to it and that. So, yeah, I remember hearing Velocity Girl thinking, man, that's the dude from Juice and Mary Chain. He's doing this kind of indie pop thing now. So it's kind of, it was obviously quite far removed to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, in other ways it wasn't you know but it was like it was totally different because it was it was just twee and you know it was like uh, yeah just kind of like the just the soul of indie pop you know uh, just short punchy songs which you know Juice and Mary Chain had but they were obviously kind of drowned in reverb and, uh, and for me Psycho Candy is probably it's in my top five albums of all time and I think really? it's just the perfect it's just a, a perfect kind of kind of noise pop record just, it's just amazing kind of pop songs just through you know loads of distortion and reverb and you got you got you got to listen to it that it's kind of almost ear bleedingly loud you know you got to yeah. you got to feel it <laughs> otherwise it doesn't have the impact i know i asked you today to pick out records that kind of summed up your time in rough trade but can you just say a few things other things that might be on your top five of all time uh, if you know them it seems like you might have thought about it but Wow. I know it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. There's, there's, there's just there's, there's so there's just so many there's so many things you know so so many. Uh, I just I, I I don't know where to start. It's just it, just it, just such a huge huge list. That Maybe that's too hard. Okay, instead, can I ask you to name just one of the best gigs you've ever been to? I think aside uh, from the Smiths, obviously. The Smiths was good. The Smiths was good. Uh, I think uh, I saw 
Again, there's been a lot. I, I, I went to a really special Cornelius gig. Yeah. Uh, I think it might have been at Coco. That was kind of maybe about, I don't know, eight, seven or eight years ago. But the whole show was was amazing. And it was just, it was, it was visually special and kind of unique. And the way they kind of did things and the intro and uh, and just amazing time musicians. But the, the whole show, the whole package was just like, like it was like yeah it was like just totally nailed and amazing and just perfect you know that was really good but one thing that about picking kind of uh primal scream out as i said kind of uh bobby comes in quite a lot and he's, he's a really lovely guy and yeah. like you know we you know it's just a real pleasure just to chat with him and that and you know uh and one time he came in and he was just like joe got all the records file behind the counter and he was looking and there was a little gap in the records and it was their second album, uh, the self-titled album. He's like, oh, that's that's our second album. And I was like, yeah, he's like, oh, I, I didn't, I, I thought it wasn't available. I was like, yeah, I think I think it was re- repressed in the States and like it's come from the States. Like, oh, let's have a look. And it was just like, <laughs> it was just stood there really chuffed, like just kind of going, oh, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's good. That's, that's like, good. And, I was, and then I was like, oh man, you know, I was just kind of chatting. It was the same time. I was like, yeah, I saw you... Uh, so you kind of in Sheffield, I think it was about 88. And I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's good guys. Like you were really, really pissed and you collapsed over the drum kit and the drum kit went flying all over the place. And he went, really? I was like, well, oh, that's cool, isn't it? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it was pretty cool. And he was just giggling away. <laughs> But it's just like so funny that you remember and he doesn't. I love it. Yeah. Oh, is that what happened? Oh, okay, it's, cool. it's, he's probably done it a lot of times. To be honest. that's great. Yeah, but yeah, it's just like again, just he's just a real nice, down to earth bloke. You know, who's yeah. kind of so turned on to so many things in music. You know, it's just like he's so sharp as a tyke and one of the hardest working musicians you'll ever come. But you across. just described yourself. Oh. You did. Apart from the sharp, sharp as a tiger bit. You got a lot in common with this man. He's hardworking, into music. He's kind. Mm. He's very funny. He's got a lot of funny stories behind him. He's done a lot of things when he's drunk that he probably regrets. <laughs> this is well. This is, this is these are very good points that you're coming up with. There. Um, I suppose before we play the last track, I want to mm. say thank you so much. I've only known you for maybe like eighteen months, mm. and I feel so sad to say that you're leaving. So I cannot mm. imagine what. The other staff who've been here for, you know, for 10 years or longer must be feeling. I think Rough Trade's going to have an enormous crater actually left where, mm. where you've gone. But I hope that we can continue on. You've trained up staff since you've been here. You've, you've taught us how to be cool and how to, you know, just how to be really. And so I hope that your sort of legacy will continue. I think it probably will. And I hope that your life just gets better and better and better because you deserve it. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. Thank you, Liv. It's, it's, it's been yeah, it's been lovely working with you over the last kind of eighteen months or so. And you know, it's kind of I'm obviously you know I'm I'm sad about leaving. And, and the saddest thing about it all is just kind of you know it's like family. It's just kind of you know it's it's kind of leaving everyone behind sort of thing. So it, it yeah. kind of you know it, it's uh, I'm I'm leaving. In a positive light, you know, it's it's kind of you, you can't procrastinate. You got to, you know, you got to keep, you, you got to have fresh challenges and, and move on. Now is the right yeah. time after ten years, but uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 excited about the future, but tinged with sadness at the same time. So, they're lovely words, and I, yeah, it's just been it's just been just an absolute privilege to work with everyone. So nice. Aww. Um, 
Yes, I think everyone will, ag will agree with all the things you just said. And thank you so much for coming in. And also, to be honest, we have your phone number, so oh. you're not going to be able to get away from us for that much longer. I'm going next directory. Maybe get a new phone. Yeah, I'm going to swap <laughs> it with someone. <laughs> but Phil, you uh, absolute legend. Thank you so oh, much. My pleasure. And thank we're going to miss you, you so you. much. Oh, and would you pleasure. like to introduce your last track, please? Well, I picked Sonic Flower Groove out, but I'm I'm going to go for I'm going to go for Velocity Girl. It's not on there. It's, it kind of is a precursor to this album, so it was our first single. So yeah, Velocity Girl by Primal Scream. Trade Radio.